You're listening to Drums Over Flowers with Saya, Anissa and Boromir. Did I do that right? I don't you know. did that right. <laughs> okay. Hi everyone, this is Saya. This is Boromo and this is a special episode, Saya. Tell us what it's about. So I'm here today to speak with you all about a drama I just finished uh, called Crossfire, which is a Chinese drama from 2020? Yeah. Or 21? 2020. 2020. Okay. They both seem like the same year at this point. <laughs> <laughs> they melded together. Yeah. And I don't usually watch C-dramas. Um, I don't even... Oh, no, I do know exactly why I watched this. So, I mean, anyone who's listened to us for a while kind of knows that for me or for any of us. Maybe not you, actually, but certainly for me and Anissa, that signal is kind of the watchword for what is a good drama. And so, oh, I I discovered MDL tags. So there I am on like my drama list looking for time travel dramas and finding out that I've watched basically everything already. Um, time travel crime dramas, let's be clear, because time travel romance dramas aren't really, they're harder for me to press play on. Like, I theoretically want to watch them, but in reality... They're also very light on logic, because, like, once they set up the time travel premise, they completely forget to explain anything about time traveling. Right, it's like it's a vehicle for the relationship, rather than being in and of itself important or crucial to the plot. Which has its own place and its own subgenre, but that's not what you were looking for. Yeah, I mean, it's not that I don't like it. It's just that it's easier for me to begin a murder show than it is for me to begin a love <laughs> show. I am, I don't know why this is, but apparently this is me now. <laughs> How well we know. <sighs> Anytime we recommend something to Saya, she comes back with, but I have more murder dramas to watch first. <laughs> well, I'm currently watching a French murder drama because I can't get out of, um, like... Having watched Crossfire, I'm not ready to move on from it. It's been a week, but I still am not ready to move on from it into like a new drama. So like in some ways, the French murder drama is because it's a totally different thing. It's not taking me out of the Crossfire space. But yeah, let me actually tell you what the drama is about. So the sort of central conceit of the drama is that these two young men, these two boys, well, one is a boy, one is a man. They meet in a game Across time. So that's the signal premise, right? This is two people, uh, an older person and a younger person, who are able to communicate across time with each other through a very specific uh, method and over a short window of time. And in the drama, it's like the length of a game is two and a half minutes, and that's the time that they have to communicate with each other. Wow. So then they... You know you have that usual thing in the dramas where they sort of have to figure out that they're communicating across time, then one of them has to prove to the other that they're in a different time. That's a really exciting part of the show. Um, just uh, just everything about it. So <laughs> I'm not going to be at all... I'm not going to make any sense in this. I'm just going to leap from point to point and everyone's going to be like, what is she talking about? So this drama stars... Forgive me for pronouncing anything wrong because I don't know any Chinese, really. Um, Lu Han, who is... Uh, formerly of EXO and Leo Wu. And they are the two sort of central characters of the drama. Um, and Luhan plays the gamer in the past in 2008. And Leo Wu plays the gamer in the present in like t- uh, 2019 when we start the show, I believe. 
And this, so this is really interesting. I found this out after I finished the drama. Crossfire is a real game. Not only is it a real game, it's like the most widely played FPS in the world. Like it's the number one FPS that nobody in the West has heard of. Because okay. it's like, it was created in, I think, 2007 in South Korea. And everyone in that sort of on that half of the world pretty much will have heard of this game. So there's a really big nostalgia factor in the drama for people when they watch it. And the drama itself drew like really massive uh, ratings during its run. It's 36 episodes long. It aired like six days a week over the course of six weeks. And so what the drama could do is that it could make the nostalgia do the heavy lifting, but it does not. I mean, the fact is that someone who knows nothing about gaming, that's me, I know nothing about gaming, and knows nothing about the history of pro gaming, can watch this drama and get that full meal experience out of it. Um, So why is it a full meal? It is a full meal for me because it's like, okay, so you have that past story and you have the present story. 2008, the pro gaming scene, very nascent, like not even a scene yet. Mm. That's like the time where, you know, there's all of that sort of criticism about is gaming even something that moral people should do, mm. do something useful with your life, all of that. And so the the early gamers were really fighting an uphill battle to be accepted by society to be treated as serious uh, sports people and to have their passion recognized as a professional sport or as a sport at all, Mm. rather than something you do, you know, to waste your time and to waste your youth and to waste your parents' money and lead dead-end lives. So that's the kind of the context for that 2008 setting, which uh, Luhan's character, Xiaofang, is experiencing. And in the present day, you have like an established gaming industry and this established pro gaming scene, a highly competitive scene as well. And in that you have these younger kids who are trying to attain this achievable, but very, very competitive level. Mm. And so that's the world uh, that the second character, Lu Xiaobe, who's played by Liu, that's, that's the life that he's living. And they could leave it at that and, and make it a mediocre drama. And they, they do not. And it's just, ah, okay. So in the past, what you have is Xiaofeng, his team, they're aging out of their youth. Okay. Whereas Xiaobe, he's like 18, I think. Yeah, 18 at the start of the drama. Actually, I don't know. He's in his final year of school. So sort of the opening part of the show is kind of concurrent with the end of his school life and, you know, figuring out what you want to do with that early part of your youth so it's like it's coming of age, but they're at the sort of two different ends of that. So for Yushobe, it's at the beginning. And for Xiaofang, it's kind of the end. It's like when you're at your final chance. To go back to what you said before about, you know, young gamers having to really struggle in the, the 2000s, 2010s era to kind of understand what their individual situations are. There was a lot of struggle going on. You can see that in other dramas too. Basically, any gaming drama will really, really harp on this 
thing where the gamers have to basically exist in this space of disapproval by society and also like recently massive fandom on the one hand and also complete bewilderment from their families and just the larger society because they are like well how long can you do it how much can you actually earn mm. your wasting time um you see this in like more romantic gamer dramas like gogo squid 1 and 2 you see this in falling into your smile they have entire segments of storylines which is dedicated to just the main leads talking about how much they need support so they can keep playing because they want to keep playing so much and how they are representing their country on the world stage when they are doing that that's like basically an established part of gaming dramas at this point but if shaofeng which is luhan's character is towards like aging out in 2008 hmm. that means like what has his career been until then has he seen any kind of success or is he aging out without having succeeded at all the latter so he uh-huh. didn't go to university he doesn't have a job so he's seen as this kind of bum like you know he's just sort of mooching off the hard work of his parents and being a burden to society and being an unfilial son so that's kind of their challenge but you know how the characters see it is that this is the thing that i love the most and this is something real and meaningful and i can strive and cuz as far as they're concerned they are striving it's just not recognized as striving and you know it kind of opens that discussion of well what is meaningful how do you convince other people to believe in your dreams are your dreams even worth following in the first place so that's the struggle of that 2008 era and in that era like uh, shaofeng is 25 so that is you know that's the end of your youth as far as the the society is concerned you should be getting married you should be having children you should have a stable job you should have a home you should be supporting your parents financially mm. so that they can retire so all of those things are playing on all of the team members minds and he's the the captain of his team so the burden on him is bigger especially when like the show starts with the team wanting to disband because all of them are at that age they're in their uh, you know 20s and their families are placing expectations on them they themselves believe those things about their lives like how much longer can we you know be like kids and play games at internet cafes all night yeah. this isn't life um so that's the challenge of their time and because they haven't got anything to um uh, they haven't got anything to show for all of the the youth of game playing and so that's that and then in like 2019 you've you've got Shawe who is very interesting this part he is actually disabled in a wheelchair and so there's this whole sort of subplot but it's done in a really interesting and i think sensitive way where like for him gaming is something that makes his disability not matter mm. like it doesn't matter if you can't walk in a game because you're not gaming with your feet right yeah and so like the, he has this great conversation pretty early on like very early on where his parents and his school are like it's time for you to think about university you need to you know improve your grades you need to get in and he's like no i have decided that the career that i want is to be a pro gamer and he says to them do you really think that people are going to employ me when i'm like this and like it's not nice we would like the world to be different but he has a fair point it's the employment market is not going to be the same for him as it will be for other people like mm. able bodied people his opportunities would be a lot slimmer exactly yeah uh, and that whole subplot is really interesting one uh, that sort of carries on throughout the show and i don't want to spoil anything but it gets really good um i'm spending a lot of time on this 
basically <laughs> you get two you get two underdog stories for the price of one and you get that signal conceit in the middle and so you've got all of that and then you get uh, just the emotions of the show like the friendship you i mean you have watched signal right i watched part of signal and then stopped you know in one of those oh this is getting so good i have yeah. to stop oh, and no. and then i didn't i haven't picked it up for 3 years now oh, no. <laughs> Okay, so the best, best, best part of Signal, and I think anybody who loves Signal will agree, is the relationship between the two men, between Lee Jae-hoon and, um, what's his name? Oh, God. Between, <laughs> I just got to remember the names and I can't be bothered to look it up right now. But between those two. Um, so this relationship that they have is just... <sighs> so the show starts with... It doesn't start with it, but we know at the beginning of the show that Shelby lost his brother in the same accident that left him in the wheelchair. Mm. So that's a link to the past. And Shaofeng is, um, what's the word? It's it's contemporary to him. You know, you have that whole storyline of can he save his dead brother, similar to Signal. So that's beautiful. And then the story doesn't stop. Here's the thing. Like in a K-drama, the story would have stopped like, I don't know, 10 or 12 episodes, 15 episodes in. But this story feels like three seasons packed into one show. Like it constantly evolves, like it gets bigger and bigger. Like you start in this very small, personal, local story and then that story sort of levels up and then it levels up again. It levels up. (laughs) (laughs) Well done. (laughs) And it keeps doing that. But see what you have here. So you have like just all of the relationships. The the best one is this one between those two. And it's like, that's the bromance I live for. It's that short-lived mistrust to the budding friendships, to the midnight jaunts through. Oh, this, I forgot to say. So the game, right? So the reason I didn't even think of Crossfire being a real game is because I just thought they were very low rent graphics. But apparently, like, that's actually one of the features of the game is that it doesn't need a lot of power to run. And it's part of the reason why it's so accessible in that part of the world, especially in countries that may not have as much sort of access to high tech, um, high end computers and where not everybody may own their own computer and your computing experience is through sort of cyber cafes. So, yeah, basically the game can run on any system made in the last 18 years. (laughs) Even my old, my old, old, old computer would be able to run it. The one that still has Windows XP on it. That's downstairs. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, what the show has actually done is that they have created sets from the game into live action sets. So they have all of these game playing sequence where they're doing it like, physically with their own bodies and that is just so it's done so well like uh, yeah I have no words left (laughs) but just the gaming sequences are amazing because it's like they have all of that kind of the first time you're watching it you think you're watching something like I don't know some kind of military thing and then you know someone gets shot and you're like whoa stakes but then it's like you know, you get that headshot, these <laughs> announcements telling you like what's yeah, going on yeah. in the game. And then you're like, oh, I see. And then it suddenly doesn't feel scary anymore. And it feels a bit exciting. Um, I'm not big on like shooting games in general. I mean, I'm not big on games, by which I mean, I don't play them at all. But it made me root for it a lot. 
So yeah, there's I think there's something to be said about watching games put in within a narrative structure like this because I have tried playing games and by tried I had this period where I got an Xbox, I got a bunch of games and I dedicated like I think about a year and a half trying to not trying to I did learn several games that I've been hearing about for years like Skyrim mm-hmm. for instance and Witcher mm-hmm. and I played them but part of me was just playing them because I bought an expensive Xbox with my own money and I just didn't want mm. it to sit there and not get used. <laughs> yeah. So I would play games like this was like, I don't know, an after school class that I had been like, inducted <laughs> into and I just had to attend it. Um, I wasn't enjoying myself. And it's stupid how long it took me to realize that I wasn't enjoying myself. But so interesting. much later on when I, for instance... I read the Witcher books, which are not amazing, but at least, you know, like I finally got the narrative that they were going for, which I didn't, I didn't feel so much when I was actually playing the game. And there are other games that I played that have later on been turned into movies. And I'm not talking about the Witcher series. I do not like the Witcher series. Sorry, this is a total digression. <laughs> it's allowed. But it's okay. my point is that sometimes you may not enjoy gaming, but then you see a game used in a story. And I see this quite often in the Chinese dramas that I watch the contemporary ones. So many contemporary dramas are about gaming. And I often mm. end up watching them. I usually really like games when put in a narrative structure, like a larger framework like that. It's fun for me to watch these people have like stakes within the game and have like be personally invested in their losses, their wins, the techniques Mm -hmm. they are learning and how their skill level is like measuring up to, you know, the opponents or their team members. All of these dynamics that are so human is interesting to me. So, Mm. yeah, I completely understand enjoying it in a drama, but not wanting to be a gamer yourself. Yeah. And you know, that's interesting because I actually made uh, a very conscious decision at a certain point to not get into gaming because like addictive personality issues, I already had (laughs) enough addictions to to stay on top of. And I was like, if I get into gaming, I don't think I'll be able to get out of it. So it was just like, no. You know, this was my exact reasoning for never taking up smoking. Because at an age when my friends mm. started smoking, I realized that I I have enough things I obsess over. If this is yeah. something I really get attached to, especially because mm-hmm. my dad had a problem um, stopping smoking. He did. He went cold turkey mm-hmm. and it was hard for him. But when he decided to give it up, especially because I was young at that point mm-hmm. and he he really didn't like that he was smoking around me so he just stopped and it was really hard for him yeah because it's a chemical addiction isn't exactly it? and so. the thing is that I was not so young that I didn't remember it being hard for him and then he's spoken about it later on so growing up and my friends started smoking I was like I'm not I'm just not going to even try <laughs> that's mm. I just don't I don't want to I don't want to start alcohol I don't want to yeah. start smoking any yeah. of those things that will most likely end up being very expensive later on I just mm-hmm. do not want to get addicted to any of that that literally is the reason I don't drink coffee or I can't drink coffee I have it two days in a row and the third day if I don't have it I have a withdrawal migraine Aww. so you know <laughs> yeah we, we know our weaknesses so yeah. that's that's a good thing I think yeah You know, you mentioned about the storytelling around games. This is something that I've been thinking about a lot as I watch the show, because like gaming as storytelling has always been incredibly mysterious to me. Many people have tried to explain it to no avail. I still cannot. It it just I don't understand how a game can make you feel the way 
an amazing book or a drama can make you feel, right? And I hope nobody's yelling at us right now. <laughs> My friend who was a, a game programmer for a long time tried to explain. And if he couldn't do it, nobody can. <laughs> Although he came the closest to it. So this is actually the person I was thinking of because this is a conversation I had in around 2009, which I accidentally discovered in my email the other day because I, it's, it's that time of year again when I get like Gmail alerts saying your inbox is 94% full or something. <laughs> so I like start searching my email for big um, like attachments to delete and stuff so I can use it for another year without Gmail bothering me. Um, <laughs> so I happened to come across this exact conversation about, you know, gaming as storytelling and the way that it can make you feel the way uh, an amazing book can make you feel. Mm. And I was just thinking, what interesting timing, because that is the year, like, you know, 2008 was the year, 2009 was the conversation when gamers around the world were trying to professionalize their sport, right? Mm. So what an interesting time to have been studying game programming for a university degree and also to be sort of proselytizing like trying to explain to people what it is about gaming that is special yeah. and not getting through to them if they were talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, that was just a, like a random thing that happened. But that's not like the drama. OK, let's go back to the drama. So these two boys, they're having these like midnight jaunts through the empty game maps. And because of the way that that's like the cinematography of it is just so like interesting and beautiful and like it has a kind of scale to it mm. and this sort of feeling of grandeur and like semi-unreality but also like hyper real at the same time mm -hmm. and like you know the way that friendships build up slowly and the way that they're able to do meaningful services for each other through the time chasm and that they're both captains of their teams and they're both going through difficulties with their teams in different ways and how Xiaofeng like fulfills this role of older brother to Xiaobei and like he's able to give advice sort of captain to captain brother to brother and they build up over time this language of their own understanding and it's mm. like it feels very intimate and very private and something that is theirs alone and that's oh and it has this undercurrent of sadness of it despite everything that you know that they can only meet in this virtual space and then I don't want to spoil the drum no, that no, I desperately no, no, want no, to talk no. about it. So I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> but like it pays it off in a way. Let me say Signal leaves you kind of a little hungry at the end, very hungry at the end. Mm. But Crossfire pays off every single promise that it makes. And wow, every that's... character has an arc. Like there are two teams. Each team has five people. There are 10 distinct characters. And then there are the satellite characters around them. Mm. Uh, all of them get an arc. All of them get their payoffs. All of them feel special to you like your own friends. Mm. And they just have, you know, this thing that I love that I talk about, particularly with relation to like Ham Young Yi dramas, mm. that the friendships that are like romances and the romances that are like friendships, same thing. They're just, the friendships are full of these sort of quasi-romantic moments, which you just feel like, they just make you feel so like, oh, <laughs> like when they hold hands and then like hugging and you're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, um, 
that's my high level analysis there. Okay, good. <laughs> I I realized that I've actually seen both boys in dramas before. Uh, Blue Han mm. in one that I really enjoyed, which is called Sweet Combat. And I really liked it. I think it was like a 2016 drama. Wait, hold on. Let me just check how long back this was. It was 2018. And the reason I had really liked uh, this one was because Luhan was one of the rare Chinese drama leads where, so this was in kind of like an alternate reality type China, let's say, where he is studying in a university where the women are rather, there is a women's sports university. Mm. And I think it becomes coed. And so boys join that university and they are unprepared for how strong and competent the women are. Oh, interesting. I mean, I, I'm not <laughs> going to say, I'm not I'm not going to claim that it's like the most um, nuanced uh, storytelling. It's not. But it's fun the way it's written. Primarily, what's really fun is that the female lead ends up teaching Luhan's character how to box. And she's like really good at it. Like she's amazing. And at no point... Do they ever make the male lead overpower the female lead to show how, you know, he's the man? There is no, no such moment. And I'm very used to that, these kind of mm. moments happening. Especially when you have a, um, a physically strong female lead, there is usually a moment where she becomes utterly vulnerable around the male lead because he just like his, his I don't know, masculinity overpass. Mm. <laughs> it's really hard for me to even say that. But they don't do that with Luhan and and the female character. I, I, I didn't actually complete the drama, but I'd watched till almost the last few episodes. And at no point did they, their entire relationship was built on mutual trust and friendship and just respect for each other, which I'd really like. And I'd like, I had really liked Luhan in it because he just has a personality that is impressive without him being too loud about it. Mm, so yeah. I, I don't know if that translates into this drama. I think but it, it was, does. Yeah. I think it does. The thing is, I've kind of already decided I don't want to see him in any other dramas ever again because I need him <laughs> to be shuffling forever. Fair enough. Like, <laughs> I probably will eventually. But you know how it is when that one character just is so perfect that you... Mm. Uh, it's enough for you to never see them in a different role again. I I, I, I know what you mean. And um, <laughs> I, I cuff, Queen in Huntsman, cuff. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, him. I, I will never find um, another Kim Bungdu, um, no, no matter how, how much I look. Also, I don't so, think Ji Hyun has done a good drama since then, which he, is a he shame. He really hasn't. I've been avoiding gentleman and lady. What was that? It, I, I don't know if it's wrapped up yet. It was like a 50 episode thing that he recently did. Oh, I, he does tend to do family dramas and like long weekenders these days. Yeah, but but whatever role he plays, he will never play that role again. And mm. again, the same with um, Huang Taekyung. You're beautiful. Yeah, He'll never play yes. that role again. Um, yeah. And he shouldn't either. I mean, that was just so perfect uh, for the actor. And that's it. Those characters mm. are just etched into history practically and yeah. to never happen again and the thing is I don't think that'll happen with Duhan because he's genuinely a, a versatile actor mm -hmm. I have seen like trailers of other things he's done I've always found his personality to be like really strong so I don't think he'll just disappear after this mm -hmm. one great performance I did read that people had been saying like his early acting wasn't that good I mean but Sweet Combat it, his acting wasn't that good it's just that mm -hmm. he is a very personable young man and uh, his charisma comes through his acting yeah. was 
the directing wasn't that good either. <laughs> <laughs> I could not I cannot fault his presentation of Shaofeng at okay. all. Like there was never a moment I was taken out of his character. Perfect. So I would imagine that he is just getting better with each role. I think the same goes for Liu Wu, which I think mm-hmm. Liu might actually be his um English name. Because I don't think yes, that's the last. Yes, because it's, I think Lei, like Wu Lei. Prob- probably. I, but I, I don't want to go and mess it up. No, 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 neither, you know neither how, do I. <laughs> you know how disorientating it is after all this time to watch a drama in a language I just don't know anything <laughs> of? I'm constantly hearing words that are the, like, very, like, the Korean words. Mm. I'm hearing them. But, like, having no sense of the grammar of the language because like even when I watch for example the French murder show or like dark or something I have experience of those languages so even though I don't know everything I can I can feel the flow of the language yeah you know I'm actually having watched like 36 episodes back to back and then re-watching about 10 of them um <laughs> I'm beginning to feel the flow of Chinese it's still uh, uh, Mandarin right it's still very difficult to sort of break down where one word or sentence ends and begins. Um, That's kind of something that I always feel very naturally with languages. And I remember with Korean, I felt it like almost immediately. So yeah, it's it's disorienting and interesting, especially because the subs uh, for about four or five episodes in the middle are absolutely Mm. awful. Like machine translated, semi-Malaysian, I think they were (laughs) in part of it. And it was just like, oh my God, this is at a point I nearly dropped it because I was like, I'm having to work too hard to watch this show. Um, It was, I think, from episode five. So anyone who watches it be forewarned from about episode five to about episode seven or eight, it's quite difficult. But you can go to subscene. And you can download so, like the raw subtitle files of an untouched official translation version, which will give you what they're saying, but it won't be timed right. So you can just read it and sort of align it yourself if you have that much um, you did dedication. You work really hard. <laughs> I did work so hard. <laughs> I was just like, you know, this was rated so high on MDL. It's The conceit of it was just like absolutely my thing. But at a point I was like, is this too much work? And then they stopped being bad. <laughs> I think at around episode eight or nine, I was like, oh, thank God. Now I will carry on. I often find <laughs> that if you're watching a Chinese drama on Vicky, for instance, since they are so long, most of these dramas, they're easily between like 25 to 50 episodes, depending. And mm. at an average, it's usually around 36 episodes. A lot of these subtitles are put up without editing. So you can see Mm. that the teams are working really hard to get them up as quickly as they can, but the editors fall behind. So there is like Mm. literally no quality control. And it just, it's really hard if you're watching it right after Mm. it starts airing. Yeah, if you want it to have like the quality control, you have to give it a bit of time because the editor, they do do it. They just need time. They kind of of have to, yeah, exactly. So um, above what you said about like the cadence, like getting used to the rhythm of the speech, so even though I've been watching Chinese dramas for so long and I and I watch a lot of Chinese dramas that I never talk about on the podcast um, because they're kind of like at times guilty pleasure. They're not really dramas that make me think a lot. I just watch them and then rewatch parts of them because they're just so much fun and <laughs> there's I just have no commentary to make on them. Mm. So I watch them quite often but then there are periods like six months where I don't watch a single Chinese drama and then when I go back after having let's say watched a lot of K-dramas and gotten used to that rhythm. Then when I go back, it takes me a few episodes to readjust to listening 
spoken mandarin and mm. also get the expression that's you know connected with the phrasing and yeah. of course i don't understand mandarin at all i'm heavily dependent on the subtitles but as anybody who watches stuff with subtitles will know if you don't get the rhythm of the things you're really like you're not connecting with the scene mm. uh, very much and you can feel it i think even when you don't know a language you can feel when you're not connecting with it absolutely you can so about liu wu i didn't recognize him exactly but i kind of thought i may have seen him somewhere and i have in nirvana and fire he was he oh, had yeah, a that's right i saw that he he had I a mean, small I saw that in role the list. and while you were talking um i was racking my brain trying to remember who he was because i the credits here on mdl shows he was a failure but i couldn't figure out who he and i think i finally remember him it was it really was <laughs> a bit role in that yeah. he he was like a relatively minor character and a kid he was a total kid so this is definitely like a big project for this guy to take on and how old is he 22 he's wow. young he really is young yeah but he's also a big shot like he is if anyone wants to go over check out his bio on the um mdl page he's got a lot going on he must have like he does and he's been producing stuff he's been producing stuff since 2017 which i like movies he has three movies under his belt and one tv show that he's producing right now or has just aired he has his own studio oh my god um yeah so and he's in the forbes uh china 30 under 30 list in 2017 2019 and 2020 wow so he's very like big cheese i imagine yeah i think he started doing main roles from 2017 before that i'm seeing him on in a lot of guest roles and supporting roles mm. um in dramas and then consistently uh, been doing main roles every single year multiple projects in a year so he in 2018 entered mm-hmm. the beijing film academy um the top place highest score from among over 30,000 students from all over China. Oh wow. It's at the very top of his game. <laughs> That is really admirable. Yeah. Cool. Amazing. He like the way he plays this character is really something. I mean, if I had never known anything about him, I would definitely have gone away thinking both of these actors are fantastic. Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> oh, there was there was one thing I wanted to go back to which you were saying a little bit earlier about like how emotionally literate I don't know about all C dramas like I don't know if this is a generalization that I can make so I won't but specifically about this drama it's incredibly emotionally literate in a very fine detail kind of way and not just emotionally literate but also like socially literate I think that's actually the thing I want to say like the socially literateness of the show like the way that it treated disability the way that it treated young people pursuing their dreams the sort of its particular take on morality which is a very strong theme in the show because you have like there's some subplots of like cheating scandals there's this sort of overriding question for all gamers about what is good gamesmanship is it more important to win the game than it is how you play the game and just all of these very sort of um character values like the things that are important in who you are as a human being that are very important to what you are as a gamer and i just thought that that was done in such an interesting and nuanced way that if 
my brain worked properly, I would be able to write a thesis on it. <laughs> so I, I want to clarify well, what I said before, not clarify so much, but kind of, you know, a little apologetically rephrase. I, I don't mean that most Chinese dramas <laughs> don't have substantial meat in them and I have nothing to comment. I mean that the Chinese dramas I tend to be attracted to, which are <laughs> yeah, pure fluff. I yeah, I, I will watch stuff like Falling Into Your Smile and then rewatch it because it has Zhukai in it. And, um, <laughs> you know, and I'll watch Arsenal Academy, which I admire for like how beautiful the sets and the costumes are. But I also realize like maybe the historical details aren't quite as accurate as I initially thought they were. <laughs> but it's, yeah, no, it's, I can relate. Right, so it's, <laughs> that is what I get attracted to. And I know of so many contemporary Chinese dramas that do such a good job of creating character dynamics and having socially aware stories. Mm. I simply don't watch them, so. No, I get that. It's like <laughs> me and romances. I know they're all out there, but I don't know the murder calls to me. <laughs> yeah. But then every so often I'm somehow like ejected from the murder rut and into a drama like this. And it's like, wow, that was a good choice. And I would have missed it if I didn't sort of let the drama lead me. <laughs> yeah. I guess that's it. I don't know if I've convinced you to watch the show, you, but... Saya, let's be honest, you'd convinced me way before we started this recording. <laughs> <laughs> I just really needed to talk about it. And after you watch it, I want to talk about it again. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I am all ready to start watching. I don't know if I can do sub-scene co-reading. Let's just hope I have better luck with subtitles <laughs> than you. Were you may be watching from the same source that I uh, was watching. I oh, will yeah. help you, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> or, you know, maybe I'll just spend way too much time making sure that the sub-scene subs sync with my video I have. I tried that in episode five and that was when I was ready to give up oh, because no. <laughs> it doesn't go out of sync in one part. Like you fix the sync and then you realize like five minutes later, literally five minutes later, it goes out of sync again and it will do that throughout the rest of the episode. And then I was just like, I can't, I can't, I can't. This is too much work. <laughs> like it can't be this hard to watch it. I, I can deal with resyncing the thing once. I can deal with resyncing it twice. I cannot do it if I have to do it more than four times. That's too much. Stop. <laughs> okay then. so that's when i did this so the trick is i don't know if we're meant to share these tips but like if you can download that sort of srt file open in a text editor and just read it <laughs> like you can match the lines just do what you want to do. yeah the annoying thing is that um the whole thing is available on youtube and it was english subbed like with official english subs for a while for quite a while but now those subs are gone. What? Nobody knows why. Exactly. So if you want to watch the raw episode, it's all there. <laughs> but yeah. Also, it's not really available through mainstream platforms. Like it's not on Viki. It's not on Netflix. It is on YouTube unsubbed. As in the subs have been removed, even though they were officially there for Have you quite tried some time. Billy Billy? I've recently started finding a lot What's of... Billy Billy? <laughs> oh my God, you don't know Billy Billy. Okay, so that's... Oh, hold on. My dog has a lot to say right now at this very moment. He's receded into <laughs> the far parts of the floor. Um, so Billy Billy is this Chinese video platform. It's like their version of YouTube. 
Um, uh-huh. And so people who don't really want to create short format like TikToks, they tend to use Bilibili. And I see a lot of Chinese reviewers putting up their videos on Bilibili um, as well uh-huh. as YouTube so that they have access to the international audience as well as directly to the Chinese audience because they're watching stuff on Bilibili more. But I've been finding so many, how do I say, um, you know, uh, how, how do you say the word without saying it? Um, Ships, ahoy, one wooden leg, one eye patch, <laughs> parrots. Don't say All right, sorry. We'll beep that out. <laughs> so, I've been finding quite I, I a few. Like, what is this? Is this like, uh, what is that game called? Charades or something? <laughs> kind of. Only you were not supposed to say it out loud. I didn't realize. I'm sorry. Like, beep me out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that version uh, of, of of a lot of dramas that you don't find anywhere else. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how long that's going to last because eventually YouTube realized that that's simply not possible if they wanted to monetize any of the videos on it because it's super, you know, copyright. Um, why can't I say words anymore? Uh, it, it's <laughs> copyright infringement is what I was trying to say. <laughs> um, so, but like there, there is just so many users who just upload stuff with proper subtitles um, mm-hmm. on Bilibili now. And I've been finding a, a, a lot of Thai and Taiwanese stuff on there. So it's it's basically like anybody can upload at this point. So yeah, uh, I'm not saying you'll find it there. I'm just saying here <laughs> is one other place to search for. <laughs> well, okay. I'm glad I know that. <laughs> All right, so completely forgot to oh, set God. timer for this yeah, one. <laughs> sorry, that that's me. That's my fault. That That's perfectly okay. You needed time to convince me. Even though I was totally convinced to start <laughs> Let's just pretend. What are we even pretending? We were pretending that I, I had doubts and you just cleared them up. <laughs> that I was convincing you, but in fact, I was just trying to get my feels out. Okay. All right. So I'm convinced. I'm going to go watch Crossfire. <laughs> and we will be back with another episode soon. Soonish. Okay. <laughs> Where can people find us on the internet, Saya? They can find us on Twitter at Dramas Overflow. And they can find me at Not Now Saya. They can find me, Parma, at Festa Faster. You can also find our podcast on Instagram at Dramas Over Flowers underscore. And Facebook, where you can search for Dramas Over Flowers. And you can email us at dramasoverflowers at gmail.com and we also have a website dramasoverflowers.net where we have been uploading Miss Marvel reviews if anybody read them read them read them everyone go and read them yeah Anissa's been recapping them and you guys know that this is like really close to her heart and really close to my heart too so in case you guys are watching Ms. Marvel, absolutely go and read the recaps. And finally, what was it? Sign up for our newsletter. Oh, that's right. Maybe. <laughs> yes, We're the, doing this without the prompts. Yeah. The, the link is in the description. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Flowers is part of oh, Prolic right. Podcast Network. <laughs> Find more dramas you'll love at prolic.media slash podcast. I got that wrong, I'm you, sure. No, you did, you <laughs> did. You got that, right? that right. You got that right. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so, yeah, that's it. Bye, guys. <laughs> Double kill. <laughs> <laughs>